Hi, Dan Sullivan here, and I'm here with Peter Diamandis, and we're going to take a little bit of a different focus on exponential wisdom today, and we're going to talk about a particular mindset that I think it's necessary for technology to be a growing pleasure and satisfaction in your life. I've been giving a lot of thought to this because my approach to technology is, is this going to make life more enjoyable? Is it going to make it more meaningful? Is it going to make it more satisfying? And what I've noticed in the acceleration of technology since the early 70s when the word microchip was first year that there's a mindset that's missing out of a lot of the technology spokespeople and pioneers and that mindset is the mindset of gratitude about what humanity did before the technological age to actually put us in a position to take advantage of these technologies. So that's that's my thesis right here. Well, it's interesting, right? I get it. Most people take technology for granted right off the bat, and then they're super pissed when it misfunctions for a little bit, right? It's like you're living in a time where you can speak to your phone and it can get any information anywhere on the planet, and if bandwidth is slow for a minute, you're pissed. Yeah, It's like we go from a miracle to having, like, taken it for granted. It's crazy. Yeah, And so we forget how technology is what's taken us, it's given us a vacation from survival. You know, we used to spend all of our lives surviving, surviving this, surviving that, trying to just eke out a little bit of pleasure in the day because we'd work 80 hours a week just to survive. Mm -hmm. I mean, gratitude is missing from the world we're in for the amount of things. And I think part of it, you've nailed it here, part of it is because technology allows us to do so much more, so much faster, so much cheaper, so much easier, that we transform our expectations. Mm -hmm. And then when those expectations get dashed because something doesn't work perfectly, we're pissed. Yes, and I think part of the reason, and you and the podcast that we did on entertainment, is the more and more passive quality of people, you know, that people aren't active players. In a world of survival, you are forced to become an active player where you have to have initiative, you have to have courage, you know, you sacrifice things. You have to rely enormously on just the resources that are available to you. And in the world of abundance, and it really intrigued me when we first started the whole Abundance 360. First of all, I buy in completely to the basic thesis of your book, Abundance. And my feeling is that the problem with it is that People used to appreciate things because they were confronted with situations that they had to respond to, which could be life-threatening, which could actually, they could experience great loss if they didn't respond correctly. And I think that thing of being on a razor's edge, I remember when I first joined the ad agency that I came to Toronto for, this was in 1971, there was a man who had been an RAF, a British Royal Air, Force, yeah. Royal Air Force pilot during the Battle of Britain, and he was in the agency. And I used to talk to him because I'm a history nut, and I was actually talking to someone who was at a historic moment. And he would just light up. I mean, he was normally kind of a boring sort of individual, <laughs> but when he talked about these period, and it was a very short period, it was a little bit more than a year when things were really at stake in the Battle of Britain regarding 
the survival of the UK, and he would just light up. And I, I asked him one day, I said, has anything happened since 1943 that matched what happened in a one-year period? Yeah, well, it was actually 1940 to 1941. I said, has anything actually met? He says, no. He said, I've never had the camaraderie. I never had the excitement. I never had the sense of dread that I had back then. So what my thesis is here is that in a world where pretty much everything is continually provided for you that's low cost, it's very, very fast, it's very, very easy, and more is coming down the road, and you don't have to do anything to actually earn this or deserve it. How do you get a sense of appreciation for the experience that you're actually having in a technological world? And my whole point is that it has to be internalized. It has to come from inside. The meaning is not going to be given to you from the outside. So that's my basic thesis here. So there has to be an internal ability to actually appreciate the great things that are being created for you and to just sit there and how lucky you are and how fortunate you are to have these things. And I see that missing more and more in the technological society. So we're grateful for amazing people in our lives. Are we grateful for amazing technology in our lives? And I wonder, you know, gratitude to some degree is a set point for a lot of people, though it can be learned. It can be, you can reflect on gratitude and get into a grateful state. Yeah, well, usually it's reactive gratitude. And what I mean is something's done for you and you react to it. And what I'm talking about is proactive gratitude. And I'm going to link gratitude with the word appreciation, Okay, so appreciation is an interesting word because it means gratitude in one sense, but it's got an economic sense. So stocks appreciate, gold appreciates, and what appreciation really means is to increase the value of. So, for example, what we're doing right now, the podcast, I'm always in amazement and wonderment that you can be in Los Angeles and I'm in Toronto and 10 years from now we'll probably be holograms talking to each other you'll be right in the room and or the AI version of me is having a conversation with the AI version of you yeah whatever form it takes so I have that you have a deepening appreciation and the other thing is that your enjoyment of the world that we're living in is more and more meaningful and you're thankful for all of it. I just feel enormously thankful to be living in the 21st century and to have these amazing capabilities available to me, especially instant connections with other people who have talents that I can really collaborate with. Let me double down on that because I think it's important for everybody listening to take a moment and realize that we are alive during the most extraordinary time ever in human history. No question. There's never been a better time to be alive, right? Today is the best, better than yesterday, better than the day before that. And at the end of the day, what you are able to do if you want to is nearly unlimited. And I find that most people have to realize you are limiting yourself in what you do, right? Mm -hmm. Each of us have access to more capital than ever before, more knowledge than ever before, more computational power. I mean, all these things are there. And if you truly want to go and make a dent in the universe in some specific fashion, you can. You may not succeed, but you can take a damn good shot at it. Also, the way technology liberates us in terms of how we use our time so the last two days, Dan, I've been here at XPRIZE working on, we crowdsourced 
teams from around the world to work on X prizes in five different areas, feeding the next billion people, saving the coral reefs, energy for the off-grid world, predicting earthquakes, uplifting farmers. Anyway, long story short, you know, I was reflecting on this in my closing remarks at XPRIZE here and saying, you know, we got to remember how awesome this is mm-hmm. that we have the liberty, the luxury to even talk about solving these problems. It used to be only the heads of governments or the largest corporations in the world could have a shot at attacking some of these big, hairy problems. And the mm-hmm. best they could do was, you know, deploy their troops or change the tax codes. It was very limited. Mm-hmm. So it is amazing time. Yeah, and I think that the fact that technology is exponential, I think, creates a trigger where you get the latest thing and you say, yeah, but they've told us that next year's version is going to be better, so I'm I'm not going to get attached to this version. You know, I think there's something built in. There's a whole psychology of being happy about acceleration that really isn't part of anybody's education these days. In other words, there's a few of us, you know, and I've been at this for 45 years thinking about the impact of technology. And I've created a whole coaching program in response to what I thought was going to happen because of the microchip. I mean, the Mm -hmm. strategic coach was launched because I believe there was going to be a phenomenal opportunity for coaching at the entrepreneurial level. You were right. (laughs) Because of the microchip, yeah. And I was just a genius network on Thursday and Friday. And what I've noticed is that everybody who's getting really successful in what they're doing is taking a coaching approach to what they're doing. And they're selling thinking about your thinking. You know, more and more, I think the number one product to sell on the planet is thinking about your thinking. People have this massive technology, but they don't know how to think about the technology. Every time I do a podcast with you, you name five or six things that people don't know how to think about. The way I think about this is that you have to imagine that the world is going to become automagical, which means that it's going to automatically respond to your desires and your needs in a seemingly magical fashion. Things will happen not because you have asked them to happen, but because the algorithms have observed that those are the things you most likely are going to want to have happen, and they're going to learn from you. They're going to track you. They're going to watch you. They're going to Mm -hmm. read physiological Mm -hmm. signals coming off of you. Mm -hmm. They're going to look at what people in your ecosystem, similar executives, what they have wanted to happen with them, and those people who you mirror and are similar to. Ultimately, there's going to become, we're going to twin ourselves. They're going to be digital versions of us where an AI might be running a simulation of what is likely to be your next question desire. And so the world will become automatic and magical in a fascinating way. I think your point's a really great one, which is if we don't approach this with gratitude, we're going to approach it with expectation, Yes, which is a dangerous approach. Well, it's a form of that it has to be the ideal, that the only thing that will satisfy us is the ideal, rather than being able to look backwards and appreciate the progress that we've made. I can, you know, my gap concept in coach, if you're always comparing yourself and what you have against the ideal, there's no possibility of actually being happy. It's like you've made no progress whatsoever. 
because our imaginations can always push further. Why do I have to go through the code to get on my cell phone? You know, why do I have to punch in my code? You know, and they said, well, you know, in the future, well, you just put your finger on your cell phone. I said, well, that's great. Or a smile at it and in your face. But why do I have to do that at all? You know. Yeah. So you're always focusing on what it doesn't yet do rather than what it actually does do. Well, your notion of living in the gap is really important to me. I think about it, you know, probably daily, because at the end of the day, flipping that bit where you're comparing yourself to how far you've come, not the infinity that lies before you, it's so critical for the entrepreneur's brain Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. One of the kindest gifts one of my team members who was with me for the last two years on my strike force gave me was as part of his departure, as he's heading off on his next adventure, is he wrote me a letter and he said, let me share with you all of the things that I have watched you do over the last two years. And it was this listing of the accomplishments, which I don't reflect on, but he took the time mm-hmm. to reflect on for me. And it's like, oh my God, it's incredible how much has happened in the last two years. Yeah, And it was just, I was so blown away by that gift he gave me. So Honestly, that's a great learning I had. Well, that's a great example of self-generated gratitude. Yeah. You know, on his part. I mean, then you were grateful for his insights because he gave you an outside viewpoint on what you've accomplished. And you probably couldn't have reflected on those things yourself because you were too close to them and you didn't see the significance of them. I'll give you a little test example. Please. We have great technology around us, and in the company, you know, we're constantly upgrading our technological systems, our communication systems, especially through video and the podcast format. But Babs and I, when we first got together and we moved in together, she had a clock radio, a Sony clock radio from 19, would have been 1979 that she bought. It was this little plastic thing, you know, it was sort of uh, tan colored. And all it does is wake you up at the right time in the morning. It's got crappy reception and everything else. And that was true when we moved in together in 1983, and it's true in 2018. We still have this clock radio. (laughs) And it was in a danger point for about 10 years that it was going to get replaced with another clock radio. You know, one that does everything, you know, it turns the coffee on in the morning, you know, (laughs) make sure that the shower water is you know, the right temperature. And I said, no, I just wanted to do that one thing. And it's now venerable, this little piece now, if we ever move, we won't. But if we ever move, we would take the clock radio and plug it in. And I have such an appreciation for this one little piece of technology, which is close to 40 years old, that just does what it wants to do. Now, the rest of my life, we replace things as soon as a new version comes along. But I have this appreciation for something from 40 years ago that still just does the thing that it was supposed to do. It's interesting. I just saw this company that takes an old iPhone and it puts it in a frame and it plugs it in for power and it becomes a clock on your wall, right? I mean, just notice you have all this massive computational power and you just want to do one thing well. (laughs) Yeah. And my feeling is that You know, another thing that's available in our world is to hold on to things from the past. We know more about the past now than we ever have in human history. 
So I just had a couple sort of mindsets that I Please. think reinforce gratitude. And one of them is to realize that we're kind of standing on the shoulders of giants. People say, well, technology, you know, we just started the technology age. And I said, well, the original great technology that people developed was language, and then we developed writing, and then we developed printing, and now we have a digital. But that's a vast, vast foundation, that mm -hmm. infrastructure that's been created and tested through trial and error over thousands of years. So what I always do, and I was talking to Marissa before we went on, and I said, you know, when I fly to Los Angeles, so it's a 2,500 miles or so that I fly, and it's delayed by 45 minutes, and you can hear the complaints, 45 minutes, and then we're on the runway a little bit too long. But, you know, six hours later, we're 2,500 miles away, and I said, it's 1918. Yeah. How long did it take me to get from Toronto to Los Angeles? You know, and I keep using this time reference backwards. And my feeling that's part of appreciation is where we've come from and who contributed to our getting here. And the other one that you pointed out was the fact that we are like monarchy and we have 2,000 helpers. In other words, if you were a king a century ago, you had 2,000 people who actually did the things that technology allows you to do every day. It's amazing. We have a slave lay force. Massive. Yeah. They're helpers. I call them helpers. Yeah. We have 2,000 helpers. By the way, next time an airplane is delayed, it would be so amazing if the captain got on and said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that 100 years ago, the journey we're about to do would have taken us six months and would have probably resulted in about 5% of you dying. But today... I want to just let you know, we're going to be 45 minutes late, just to put it in perspective. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That'd be a real gift on the part of the pilot to do that. You know, we're going to try to catch up. You know, they always say, we're, we're going to try to catch up. You know, we're... Well, let's uh, put this in perspective. Yeah, you don't know this, but I'm going to fly dangerously for part of the next hour to get there. And my feeling is that this is one of those shifts in going from scarcity to abundance. We have to realize that appreciation and gratitude has to be generated from the inside. It's not, it's not going to be given to us. Yeah, it's a shift from expectation to appreciation and gratitude. Yeah. 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 My feeling is that gratitude is one of those mindsets that it's a mutually exclusive mindset. And the reason is you can't be grateful and angry. You can't be grateful yeah. and resentful. You can't be grateful and disappointed. Gratitude, the building of gratitude... You know, if you talk about one of the key skills of going deeper and deeper into the world of exponential technology, I think gratitude has to be there. You know, I was thinking of Zuckerberg when he was in front of Congress, and if he had taken like 15 minutes, he said, gentlemen, I just want to remind you what has happened as a result of our technology over the last 15 years and went down for about five or 10 minutes of what human beings are capable of doing now because of Facebook and what things were like 50 years ago and what things are now. And he says, so we're going to talk about some problems we're having, but I just want to tell you some of the solutions that have been created through this technology. I think he would have come across as a cultural hero, but yeah. he missed the opportunity of doing that. That is so amazing. And the reason is because he doesn't strike me as being really grateful for what's happened. Yes, perhaps. Or I think the problem is so much of us live in expectation of the future. Yeah. 
and trying to create it and why isn't it here yet? And we're technologists by definition to a large degree live in the gap because they have a vision of what is going to be and they're working so hard to create it and they're trying to get there that I think it really is important to share this message. I, I keep on thinking about we started Abundance 360 now seven years ago on this 25-year journey, and it is amazing how much has happened in the last seven years, mm-hmm. right, of what it was like. I just remember just showing the drones that we showed early on and what was possible, how far those have come, or whatever it might be. And then part of what I love about the 25-year concept you shared with me that mm-hmm. we've adopted for A360 is it makes it very definable, and it's not in the gap for infinity, but I can sure get a sense of what it's going to be like 18 years from now. And just watching that journey and watching the arc of our experience in our lives is amazing. Yeah, and the the enormous impact that Abundance 360 is having and the expansion of, you know, was basically a breakfast conversation that we had seven years ago. And we kind of said, hey, yeah, let's turn this into, you've got a great book and you're going around the world. Let's have a community that forms around this. And let's have like a yearly cycle where it just gets better every year and we can look back and appreciate the enormous progress. I mean, I get the sense from your whole A360 team who've been there right from the beginning that they're enormously appreciative and grateful for the journey we've been on. But I just think that if accelerating technology makes people unhappier and unhappier, it seems to be missing the point. Yeah, people are missing the point. I just think about this, you know, Abundance 360, we capped out at 360 CEOs in, in Beverly Hills. And then, you know, I teach about digitizing and demonetizing and democratizing. And the beautiful thing, we couldn't do this seven years ago, but we were able this past year to basically create a digital version of Abundance 360 that's 10 times cheaper yeah. and available to everyone around the world all the time. And it allows me to connect with all of the abundance digital entrepreneurs on a daily, regular basis and try and touch their lives. And it's this sort of change, I think, that makes it exciting for me. And I am grateful for technology allowing me to make a bigger and bigger impact as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just more and more telling people, look, you know, new things are always becoming Everything that you have on a technological basis is probably going to be exponentially improved. Three years from now, you're going to be amazed at the progress, but be thankful for the progress that's happened so far. Your ability to appreciate future technology is dependent on your ability to appreciate what's already happened. Yeah, agreed. You know, next time we get together, Dan, I'd love to take a moment to talk about something I've been reflecting on recently, which is the fact that the rate of change is actually accelerating, Mm -hmm. that there is an acceleration of the acceleration Mm -hmm. due to a bunch of factors, and the future is much faster than people think. Mm -hmm. So if you're up for that, I'd love to share and and kick that around with you a little bit. I'd love to. I'd love to. And, you know, I mean, I'm 74, and I've been more excited what's happened to myself personally and our team and all the great collaborations I have. I'm just enormously appreciative. 
at this age. And a lot of the 74-year-olds I grew up with are dead. (laughs) You know, I stopped going to reunions because I thought one day, I said, well, if I haven't seen them for a long time, why is that? You know, I remember on the 20th high school reunion, I went and I came back and they said, well, how was it? And I said, well, none of them showed up. A bunch of old people showed up. (laughs) All right, pal. All right. You have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Peter. Bye, Dan.